0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest, Dr. Mark Martin. Mark is the superintendent of Meade County Schools in Brandenburg, Kentucky. The district serves around 5,000 students in eight schools. Mark has served the district for a year in this role. He first joined Meade County Schools in 2014. Prior to his role as superintendent, he served as the district's director of special education, and he also held several other key coordinator roles. Prior to this He served as a special education teacher in Davies County Public Schools, where he started his career in 2008. Last summer, Mark received the 2020 Grissom Award for Innovation in Special Education. He was recognized for a plan he implemented that utilizes co-teaching and supplemental resources for students with disabilities, which allow special education students to benefit from having two invested teachers. Under Mark's leadership, the district is offering a program called Close the Gap Kentucky. It's a 12 month experience for district leaders to gain support through a cohort learning model and framework. This is Mark's second year partnering with Studer. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Mark to our show today. Mark, welcome.
1: Thank you, Jay. I appreciate you having me on today.
0: So let's start. Um, we'd love for you to share with our listeners more about your background, how you got into education, and you know what led you initially to become that special education teacher and to where you are today.
1: Well, education has been part of my family um, my whole life. There are 12 of us um, on my dad's family. We come from a very large family in uh, Western Kentucky, north of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, small town, um, Beaver Dam, Kentucky. That's where my grandmother raised me. So my siblings, my dad and I went to live with my grandmother my first month of kindergarten, um, was exposed to education. In my family, you're either a mechanic, uh, a coal miner, or an educator. So from the time I can remember, um, I've, I've grown up in school. I've been there in the summer in my dad's classroom, who was my educational hero, who taught for years before becoming a principal and administrator before he retired. Um, but you know our, our Christmas discussions were about you know the bus garage, the elementary classroom. The, had an uncle that was a high school basketball coach before becoming a principal, and um, you know I grew up around it and just love everything about education and the opportunity that we have as educators to make a difference. Uh, my wife is from Indiana. She is not from an educational family, so I remember when she came over to our first Christmas i <laughs> um, gathering. We were driving back to Owensboro, Kentucky, where I first started teaching, teach, um, first taught. And she said, you know, it's not normal that people love their jobs as much as your family. Um, you all talk about it with such respect and enthusiasm. Um, that's just not normal. But that's what I grew up around. So uh, I knew that's what I always wanted to do. And then in regards to special education, um, I, I was the first special educator of that group. I have an older brother with autism, and when we moved in with my grandmother, um, when I was five years old, uh, all my siblings and I, all three of us, shared a room, and um, for my whole 22 years, I lived with my grandmother through college. Uh, I shared a room with my brother, Jason, who has high-functioning autism, so kind of grew up around it, Uh, had some practical placements in high school and some special education classrooms, and really started to develop a connection and a love for Um, that type of student but also had some strong feelings even from the time I was a young kid but especially the time I got to high school that there were some things we could do differently in special education that um, you know access to the general curriculum a belief that all means all actually um, practicing that not just preaching that I felt there were some things that could be done differently in special education so um, I felt that I could make an impact in in a positive way so Went to Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, drove back and forth every day for four years, coached high school football, the same school I played at and um, had different college experience. Kind of needed to stay with my brother and my grandmother during that four-year period. And um, that's how I became a special education teacher. Ended up in Davis County Public Schools, which is a district, um, about 12,000 students, one of the most populated school districts in Kentucky. Was an elementary special education teacher taught um, self contained resource. I've taught, I've co taught. I also was a self contained uh, behavioral teacher and I coached high school football at Apollo High School where I was head assistant uh, for my first six years of my educational journey. I am finishing year 14 in education. In the last eight years, I've been in Meade County schools, various administrative roles, and this is my second year as superintendent.
0: Such a great story, Mark, and um, you know just the the connection with your brother and the just the practical learnings there that carries you over into to the field. I'm sure you have continue to have great passion there, and, and um, just the connection with family. I, I I think there's so many of us who have stories about sitting around the dinner table, <laughs> and that was your conversation. It's in your blood, and you can't get it out, even if you try to. You can't get it get it out of um, who you are. Um, You know, just curious before we move on to a little bit about your success as superintendent and closing the gap in Kentucky. I just so I love sports and a lot of my podcasts really connect back to to sports. But I just I really feel like being a coach um, when I was a teacher and a coach, you know, that the coaching part really helped me be a better teacher and helped me now be a better leader. I'm just curious. Do you think that carries over for you from your coaching days to your leadership days?
1: Yeah, I believe it. I'm a big believer in the comprehensive student experience that um, school is about student engagement and preschool to pathways and vertical alignment to make sure students are positioned academically. But equally, uh, I'm a believer in extracurricular, co curriculars and athletics, the band, the chorus, um, the FFA, the DECA, and definitely the athletics. I played three sports in high school. Um, I come from a family uh, where there are coaches. I think I mentioned my uncle earlier. My dad was a middle school coach. Um, He was a youth um, elementary teacher and a youth sports coach and was the best youth sports coach I've seen to this day. Coached every sport. um, Just really good with kids. Had good balance. Mm -hmm. Um, A loving um, type coach. uh, Pat you on the back with high expectations. And I started coaching when I was 18. And I coached four years at the high school I played at um, in Ohio County. Ohio County is Beaver Dam, which I mentioned earlier. And then went right into uh, Davis County Schools, coached middle school, coached high school football. But definitely, I believe the lessons that I learned in coaching, the adversity that you persevere through as an athlete or a coach um, is very similar to when you're leading an organization. Whether that's a business, whether that's a school, uh, I'm a big believer in what we do, especially during the pandemic. A lot of it's mental mindset. I think you're constantly coaching as a leader. So 100% my involvement in athletics and particularly football. I played basketball, baseball, football, but particularly a team because nothing of significance happens in isolation. And athletics teaches that. It teaches you accountability, perseverance, and mental toughness. So definitely carry that over with me.
0: Yeah, so good, Mark. Thank you for that. So let's go and, and talk a little bit about Close the, C- the Gap Kentucky. Can you tell us about that program and your offering to um, the Kentucky districts?
1: Yeah, so give you a little history of Close the Gap. That was a concept that um, I created with our instructional supervisor when I was special ed director back during my first year in Meade County Schools in 2014, 2015. It was basically a professional development concept that really professional development should be a process, not an event. It should be live. It should inform instruction. It should inform everything we do culturally. So we started our own Meade County Schools Close the Gap PD in 2015. And every year we added new layers to it. And today, all of our employees come to it that are certified employees. We're even looking for a vein for our classified employees as well. So that's where that name started. Um, This coming year of Close the Gap Kentucky, um, we've basically just thrown the state name on it because we've had a lot of success over the last few years with closing gaps. And there's been a lot of interest in our school district. So, around the fall of 2018, there were, there were um, administrators from the Kentucky Department of Education in the Continuous Improvement Division that kind of discovered us and some of our success and asked for a school district or two that were in needs improvement status through the state to come visit us. Mm-hmm. So, it started out small, and then it grew. And from March of 2019 to March of 2020, when the pandemic began, we, had, we hosted over 800 visitors wow. from 61 Kentucky school districts from the Kentucky Board of Education, the University of Louisville, University of Western Kentucky, um, board members, local board members. And we would have teams of you know, 15 to 20 school districts here on a given day with up to 120 visitors. And we would divide them and go throughout our district and go see what we do with co-teaching, community-based instruction for our alternate assessment students. Um, and they would have lunch with us. We would talk about our story and we would display our five keys to success. We went throughout the state before the pandemic to all our regional cooperatives. We spoke at multiple um, conferences. We've keynoted before on our five T's. Um, and that really started the, we wanna come see what you're doing, but you can't really understand our systematic approach to closing gaps with you know, three to five hours of visit and an hour lunch. So we wanted to rebrand that uh, after the pandemic. And we have decided that now, Um, to have access to our schools. We don't want to just tell you what we do. Uh, We don't want to just show you for a single day. We want to take you on a 12-month journey with us Mm -hmm. to really teach our five keys and how that's hardwired in our culture and how that's cascaded down in everything we do. And it's not a special ed initiative. It's really a recipe and a story that you really do believe all students um, can succeed. And there's a balance to it. So um, it's something really hard to explain in a keynote presentation or a visit. So that's where that started. Um, we started having success before the pandemic. Um, and to really succinctly say what it is and who would be an audience for this, it would be superintendents in school districts that wanna merge and attach at the hip, their special education department with their regular education department. Um, to prepare students for a quality life. You know, we talk a lot in our district about vertical alignment and being intentional in everything we do with athletics, academics, um, preschool pathways. It's not just something we say, it's something we live with sincerity. And we're always chasing a process. We're not chasing test scores. We're chasing that process, prepare students for a quality life. And along that journey, we expect great things to happen, which they have here in recent years. So we want to take those school districts on that journey with us and, it always comes back to a team approach. You know, our, our slogan here is students first team always. Um, mm-hmm. We know everything we do um, as a team. We got to leave our eagles at the door to do what's best for students. And then, you know, it's going to come back to that team approach.
0: That's great, Mark. You know, you said a few minutes ago, it's, you know, it's about process. I mean, you're not like just driving, you know, toward those test scores, so to speak, but you're really driving toward the process. Can you talk a little bit about about those processes that you use to close the gap and and what the success looks like in that.
1: Yeah. So it kind of starts with rebranding what you want instruction to look like, what you want it to sound like. So that would definitely be a measurement. I tell our principals when I evaluate them and all of our department leaders, don't tell me it's good bill, show me. And make sure that with fidelity, you know, through your professional learning communities, through your um, MTSS, multi-tiered level of supports that we can go watch it and look for it. Do we all have a common definition of what student engagement is? Because you got to start there and peel that onion back. So um, during the pandemic, we saw it as an opportunity, not just to manage COVID, but to plan for the future. And my first year as superintendent was the first year of the pandemic. So we went through a strategic planning process, and our partners with student education helped us facilitate that. We couldn't be more pleased with, with that partnership. And that was one of our pillars was our classrooms. And starting with our principals, our focus groups, all the way to our steering committee and eventually our board adoption, um, we had that discussion about what does student engagement look like and sound like. But we started the rebranding process for instruction in particularly special ed back in 2014. We want a balanced approach, you know, balance wins, balance sustains. Culture positions you for academic success, but you can have a lot of happy people. But when that classroom door shuts, that doesn't mean anything's going on. And on the flip side of that, you can go chase test scores and catch lightning in a bottle from time to time, but that doesn't sustain. Balance sustains. You're always working on culture. You're always working on instructional practices and rigor. So we kind of defined for ourselves. We weren't going to let the Office of Special Education uh, federally or the Kentucky Department of Education define to us what a good special education program was. We were going to do that ourselves. Um, And we really go with five keys that I mentioned earlier. This is the way we teach or Close the Gap, Kentucky, and and the way we present it throughout the state. Number one, you got to have a district belief, and that starts from the superintendent's office down because what we do is not easy. There will be adversity, adult convenience will creep in, and you got to come back to what's best for students. Number two, instructional focus. Um, I can talk more um, later about the history, I believe, of intervention, special ed, and how sometimes it's um, grounded in compliance. And rightfully so through case law, but um, we wanted to rebrand and reimagine what a special education program could be. And we want to have that 95% focus on instruction. 95% of what's coming out of my mouth is the special ed director, the instructional supervisor it needs to be about teaching and learning and closing gaps. Number three, you got to find your continuum. Um, balance wins, balance sustains, right? So you can't just say, well, we're going to be just co-teaching. That's illegal. And we all, well, I have never seen a full resource model where students are isolated from their peers work. It's a little bit of both. So that's one thing we do differently. One thing we teach districts is what we call supplemental resource. That's our third key. And number four, scheduling is so important. And number five, it's cyclical. So it's structures. What gets um, written, measured, gets done. It's our PLC structure how we monitor it, it's our multi-tier level of supports. And how do we know we've been successful? Um, our data has shown us that. That's one way we were discovered by the Department of Education. We were very intentional in 2014 about setting a 10-year plan specifically for special ed and instruction where we were gonna produce novice. We believe all students deserve to grow. You may be a novice your whole career as a student, but are you a growing novice? Can we move students from novice to apprentice levels, apprentice to proficient? But it's really not about chasing test scores. It's about that process you mentioned earlier. So I could be a non-diploma track alternate assessment student. I still need access to the general curriculum and be around my peers for many of reasons. That student deserves to grow, too. And your teachers will buy into that. When you go there and say we got to have X amount of profession distinguished, they're going to shut you down. they're going to be like, that's not realistic. This person is just about chasing test scores in their own glory. That's not what we sold in 2014, 15. We sold that all students deserve to grow. Um, And this is how we're going to do it together. And we have reduced novice drastically, but we put a plan out there. We were very um, intentional and also realistic about how we were going to build it from the elementary and middle school all the way to high school. And honestly, we got ahead of schedule and we did – what I thought would take us 10 years, we did it closer to four to five years and we're still not a finished product. We have room for growth. But um, the pandemic hasn't slowed us mo- down much because it's so hardwired in our culture. So that's just a quick summary about how we define what's success. But a lot of it's not just a number. It's that, um, that qualitative side, I guess you would say, in addition to that quantitative. We want to go see what it looks like and sounds like. And that's when districts come to us when they see our small group instruction, they hear kids speaking their thinking, student-led groups at the you know kindergarten, first, second, third grade levels. When they see that, they know that this place is a little different. And that's what we're hoping for these 13 school districts across Kentucky that are going to get access to us in this first cohort. Um, we're hoping to help them and tell our story from 2014
0: on. Yeah, so good. And, um, you know, I love the, you know, it's student-led, you know, when I think you mentioned the term student engagement, you know, when we look at achievement and how important student engagement is, you mentioned that term, and and then, the, you know, just kind of concluding there was student-led, you know, so it's, it's I think what I hear you say, a lot of things, Mark, I mean, good systematic focused process that's that people are focused in on and can buy into because they believe in it. Um, But it's really it's really looking at it from that student engagement and student led focus so that the students are owning their learning. Right. They're owning it um, rather than we're trying to own it for them. So just seeing that in action must be um, unbelievable. And I'm sure there are probably people who are listening to us right now who don't live in Kentucky. I'm sure of that. So, you know, if, if we were if you were saying, hey, if somebody asking, how do we take it from Kentucky beyond the boundaries of Kentucky to other places? You know, any advice as we close today, any advice on how you think that could occur?
1: Well, I believe leadership is influence, um, nothing more, nothing less. I, I agree with Dr. John Maxwell when, you know, I've, I've read him say that many times. I think it's going to come down to the leader. What do you prioritize? What our model, our Meade County way of doing what we do, it, it provides a method to execute really what educators and educational leaders have been saying for a long time that. They're regular ed students first, or all students deserve to grow. This provides a method to that. It is a simple method, but it's not easy to execute. So I think it takes professional courage and also to be realistic about what's your baseline? What are we doing that's working? What are we doing that's not? And why are we going to continue to implement these strategies that are not bearing fruit? So if I could give one piece of advice, it would be that I believe special education Sometimes is its his own silo yes, and and there's some convenience in that in a lot of ways. And I don't believe they're attached at the hip with the regular education departments. I think from the federal government to the state level departments, all the way to the superintendent's office, instructional supervisor, director of special ed, iron sharpens iron. And we messaged, messaged that at our first Close the Gap in 2015. And it takes strong, professional, courageous leadership to really model the way because if you don't have the first key in district belief, you can't get into the strategy. Hope is a really important thing, but hope is not a strategy, but you don't have a chance if your leaders don't actually walk the walk. So I don't have a magic bullet by any means, but I always believe it comes back to leadership and doing what's best for students.
0: Yes. And, you know, just, Going from the first question to as we close today, I mean your passion. So your 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 passion for education, but your initial passion that came from from your family life to special education, where you built an integrated process for helping all students. Uh, it's genuine, Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sincere. It's focused. It's structured. Um, people can be engaged in that process and they understand it. And I love what you just said too. We always talk about um, making the complex simple. So, you know, what you've done is just built that simplicity in terms of explaining and, the pro- and building it. Um, but you're right. It's not easy to execute and it's the cr- courage that you have with your district. That's, that's pr- proven to be good, giving you good results, but more importantly, it's helped your students and families and your community and a community I know you love so deeply. So I am so appreciative of you and your leadership. And I know the people listening today, you know, value what you've done. Thank you for the contributions to the profession. Meaningful.
1: Well, thank you, um, Janet. And um, I'm so appreciative of this opportunity to just talk about our our great team. And I uh, thank God every day that I'm in B County Schools, I'm working with our great team of educators and employees and Um, It's a joy to get up every morning when you believe in what you do and the people around you do as well.
0: That's great. And they're lucky to have you, Mark. So thanks so much. Thank you. What a great conversation with Mark today. I just love his passion for special education and for all students and for taking this work of Close the Gap Kentucky to the next level in his state and hopefully, I think, to a national level so that we can all provide the best support to all of our students in the most sincere and genuine genuine way as Mark does in his district. Speaking of people like Mark, we've got an event coming up next month. We'd love to see you attend. It's called Destination High Performance and it'll be happening on July 28th and 29th in Milwaukee. You'll have the opportunity to meet and learn from districts and leaders who are defining what right looks like in education, just like Mark. They'll share about the latest processes and practices they've implemented. It will be a great experience to share and learn from one another. Mm -hmm. For details, head over to studereducation.com slash events. Thank you for tuning in to accelerate your performance and sharing your time in this episode. And please share this episode with a friend or colleague. Also, your feedback is valuable to us. So please take a moment to follow and rate our podcast and Apple Podcasts. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work.